In this episode, I talk with Chris. Chris and I discuss what it's like to start a business with a business plan and how to scale that company along with your business plan as a living, breathing document. But more importantly, we also talk about delegation and what it's like to enable yourself as a business owner through delegation. You as a business owner are tasked with more of the higher level tasks of growing the business and really taking it to the next level. And so it's up to you to effectively delegate those other more low level, like at, you know, backend administrative tasks to other people so that you can focus on growing the business, taking it to the next level and really working on, again, more of the higher level tasks. I think that's something that people are so afraid of is, you know, letting their idea out or letting out, like you said, really, their business plan or the inner workings, but so much of it is the execution. And like, yeah, I don't think there's many people that can make it through the early days, the hard days of business ownership. And so, you know, why not be helpful? Like we shouldn't be discouraging that. We should try to help those people that are one or two steps or 10 steps behind us. Yeah, can't say that enough. If you think about going into this business, share your business plan with everybody. Hey everyone, we are here with Chris. Chris is the owner of The Trusted Toolbox. He's president of the Home Service Institute. And he's also got his own podcast, The Small Business Safari. So yeah, thanks for being here with me, Chris. Great, looking forward to it. I've enjoyed our pre-discussion too, so can't wait to jump into <laughs> topics. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's get right into it. So the first thing that we wanted to talk about, it's pretty basic, I mean, but so important is a business plan. We have not talked about that much on the podcast yet. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time there. And I think you're a great person to spend that time with. So uh, what tips, tricks do you have? Where should somebody start when approaching a business plan? Yeah, love the question. And I did it. So my background was I was in corporate America and I went out and I, I jumped into this wild world of small business ownership and handyman business. Yeah. And I realized I didn't, I had never had experience in the business before and I wanted to be thoughtful on what I did. So I went to SCORE of all places, there's SCORE.org and get a business plan template. But let's talk about what I did with it. Um, I didn't just go out there to create a business plan in a vacuum and come up with that A paper like we were back in school, where if, if I had 50 pages, that must have meant that I have a really well-developed business. What I used the right. business plan for was actually to put myself in a logical thought process of thinking through, number one, what is my unique identifier? What What is my target market? Who are gonna be the users of my services that I wanna do? So taking my unique, my market, then targeting into the customer service, how are you gonna find those leads? How are you gonna convert those leads? How are you gonna then service those leads that now become customers? And then all the other stuff, HR, accounting, and the processes behind it. All sounds yeah. pretty standard, pretty normal. We should be doing it. What I did though, is I built out the outline and then I started to find mentors and people who were experts in each of those areas. And I broke it down and had one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. I worked on my business plan before I started my business about eight months before I launched my business. Wow. And what I would do, and this is my tips and tricks is get the outline, think about the questions and then go out and find people you can ask specific questions to find yourself to be interesting, you know, be it, be an interesting person for them to talk with. Don't call them mentors. Cause that's just called free consulting, but <laughs> get and ask them detailed questions and you start getting better yeah. answers. The one then, thing, so, I mean, Sorry, real quick with that, the, so with these, you know, the mentors, the advisors, is it really just kind of testing out assumptions, you know, like, you know, I assume this amount of people will convert, you know, from a, from a quote, for example, in your industry to actually purchasing, is that really just kind of testing out assumptions? Like, Hey, this is my gut check. Can I get your more experienced gut check? 
Yes, as long as you're asking specific questions, you'll get specific answers. Now, I went to start a handyman business and it was in 2007. This is before the big recession. And mm -hmm. almost everybody to a T said, man, that's a can't miss business. And the flock that I was going to. Now in the business world that I came from, I was pretty successful. And I didn't let anybody know in the business world that I was gonna actually leave and go out and start this. I kept it pretty close to my vest. What I yeah. found was as I went out and started to work with these entrepreneurs and people in the business, I specifically didn't go into the business I was going in because I felt like they would view me as competition. Hmm. Looking at it now, I would tell you that's a huge mistake on my part. I should have done more of that because when people ask me about starting a handyman business, I'm like, come on in, I'll show you everything, man. Yeah. <laughs> Books, right. Like, really? I'm like, sure, this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a big part of it, right? Is I think that's something that people are so afraid of is you know, letting their idea out or letting out, like you said, their business plan or the inner workings. But again, like you said, a lot of, so much of it is the execution. And like, yeah, I, I don't think there's many people that can make it through the early days, the hard days of business ownership. And so, you know, why not be helpful? Like we shouldn't be discouraging that. We should try to help those people that are one or two steps or 10 steps behind us. Yeah, I, I, I can't say that enough. If you're thinking about going into this business, share your business plan with everybody. I mean, heck, if you were going to share something with me, if you really think I have the time to steal it, you're nuts because I got so right. much going on <laughs> right now. And, and that's usually with every business owner. They're not just sitting yeah. back and figure out some idea to steal. And if you find totally. somebody who's maybe made been a success and now has some money and is looking to help younger people out, they're probably not going to steal it either because you know what? They're getting tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. And I didn't mean to cut you off earlier. Was there anything else that you wanted to say kind of going along with the business plan? No, I think that was probably the biggest part was, you know, Perfect. get your mentor group and, and go out there and find people in your industry. And like you said, that, that gut check, that fact check assumption, because yeah. I made a big mistake and I didn't show anybody my financial plan. And yeah. I, I assumed on a double net profit of what I'm actually seeing in my business after 14 years. Wow. And with that, that question leads to the next one, would you have done it all over again? Had you known that was going to be this? And that's the question I'll ask everybody. When you do your business plan and you put your financial projections, I heard this from somebody just recently in the last two years. If you can have your revenue and double your expenses and still make a business out of it, then you got something you can work with. And I have to say, mm, interesting, they're right. Because had I done that, I probably would have said, no, I'm going to find a different business. <laughs> wow. Interesting. There you go. No, that's, that's great. I like that question. Well, yeah, that's perfect. And one one thing I wanted to ask you when building your business plan or, you know, mentoring people now, do you work with the business model canvas at all? Like, or do you, do you route people towards that score website? So what I say is find the easiest template. Now, when I first got into this, there was not as many things available on the internet. Now, yeah. Here's a really cool stat I'll give you that I, I'm going to steal because somebody gave me today yeah. in the U S the hour in one hour, 11,000 businesses will have started. It is wow. very easy to start a business. It is very hard to run a business. And so yes. <laughs> today you have so much information available to you out there online. Find a good template. Don't go crazy. You said one business plan canvas. I, I, I don't know that one specifically, but if it works for people, great. But you got to know it, embrace it, and use it. But use it yeah. socially. That's the big part. Yep. Perfect. Well, and that, that actually ties in pretty well to the next point that we want to discuss. You mentioned, you know, people, everybody's starting a business. A lot of people start businesses, start LLCs, but maybe don't get traction or maybe just don't even take that first step. 
so that goes into something that you've talked about before is not just your why, where will you thrive? Could you go into that ideology? What, what's the meaning behind that? Yeah. So in the beginning, you know, Simon Sinek has the popular phrase, find your why. Well, my yeah. why in the beginning has arced over my 14 years. My why in the beginning is much different than my why today. Um, yeah. And I've challenged people on that. And of course, I've run into people who said, no, my why is the same as exact as day one. And I said, well, obviously I'm a chameleon. And also I was out there trying to make a buck, you know, so you had to find the areas where you thrive. And the only way you can find that is to test areas and get into things that maybe you're not feeling comfortable with and you got to try. And you yeah. finally start to figure out where your niche is. And then I think this is where my why changed. My why in the beginning was not to have 32 employees and families counting on me and my leadership to have a company. Today I have 32, but in the beginning, that was not what it was. In the beginning, it was to see how big and bold I could be as a business owner and grow a business in a niche that I felt was pretty solid. Wow, cool, I love it. And I mean, kind of clarifying one point that you made there is testing out different areas. How, I don't know, like what's the difference between breadth and depth? Like, you know, somebody in college taking a bunch of different classes is obviously different than like me starting several different businesses, you know, home service business for a couple of years to, to kind of test out that area. So how deep of a test do you feel like people need to go before they really know, hey, this is what I want to focus on? And this, that's the big, that's the probably the million dollar question because I've wasted a lot of money as I've tried things. What we would say as entrepreneurs, we've invested. And you have to also watch out for that shiny object theory, right? Yes. Um, business is hard. It's hard everywhere. If you hear somebody who says, hey, man, I'm tonning it. Fact is, he may be tonning it now, you know, but he probably is not tonning as much as you think and much as you give him credit for. So don't go after the shiny object for too long until you realize you got to cut bait. A good example for me was in the beginning, I had a chance to be the sole property maintenance company for a number of apartment complexes. And it looked like it was going to be a great job. And the more yeah. I evaluated, it had nothing to do with my business model. And I would have, I would have failed miserably. I did a couple of test jobs with them and I realized nice. it just didn't work because my model was about providing services for homeowners, not services for apartment dwellers. Not saying it's just a different mentality. Totally. Yeah. And I like that. Like you said, it's the small scale tests, I think is something to that's like a tool at your disposal is yeah like there might be this like you say shiny object shiny business plan shiny whatever but actually getting into the day-to-day -day of it or you know doing some kind of validation before jumping all in i think is so important and protects you i think quite a bit from like you said potentially losing a lot of money a lot of time a lot of effort you still have to try things and this is where you go it depends which i hate when everybody says that but you know try it's it true. but also put a leash on yourself that would be the big yeah. thing Put a leash and say, okay, I'm going to make a check and, a, and I'm going to say, yes or no, it worked. I actually yeah. just turned down an opportunity to pick up a water filtration service business. Mm. A guy was exiting the market. He says, hey, do you want to do this? And I thought through it. I looked through it. Then I talked to my number one here at, at the at the company. And he said, you know, I just, I just think that's going to distract us from where we're trying to get to next year. And I said, I think you're right. Nice. That's awesome. I love that. Well, perfect. So uh, one thing that we, we briefly talked about again in our pre-discussion is proper like delegation, you know, working kind of with this methodology or this ideology of where are you going to thrive? You know, there are always parts of your business that you are not the best person for the job, right? So, you know, what tips, what lessons have you learned over the years of how to delegate? What does proper delegation look like? Yeah, it's a great thing. It's, I think 
when you look at your skill sets, and that's one of the big things in the business plan template as well that I did is I went ahead and I put down, here are all the things I think I'm strong at. Here are the things I'm not very strong at. These are things right. I like to do. These are things I don't like to do. Hey everyone, in this quick break, I wanted to give a shout out to Coconut VA. They are making this podcast possible. This podcast is hosted by me, but a lot of the backend work is actually done by a Coconut VA. I'm the co-founder of Coconut VA, and we find Filipino virtual assistants for U.S. companies. So if you've got a proven business model, you're growing, you need help with operations, general admin, lead generation, or really any help around the business, you could probably hire a Coconut VA. You can find a link on my podcast page, thebtspodcast.com, or at coconutva.com. My podcast is a great example of how a Coconut VA could help you. I've done the work to systematize my podcast, systematize the production process, and now I can bring in a Coconut VA to actually execute that process. If you're ready to delegate tasks, you're ready to hire a Coconut VA. And what's funny is that as I started to run my business about two years into it, I realized that a lot of things I felt like I was strong at, I was not. I didn't think I'd be a very good marketer. I actually turned out to be all right at it. Yeah. Things I like to do, I seem to do all right. But when you're a business owner, you just got to hammer down and do things. But one of the things that I just absolutely abhor that I thought I'd be good at with my background was QuickBooks, financial accounting, being a good bookkeeper. I stink, yeah. man. I'm a great <laughs> an analyst. I am a horrible bookkeeper. And I hated oh, it. I just liked it. And I kept putting it to the side and putting it to the side. I finally had to delegate that out. And when I'd done yeah. that, that has really opened me up to be the financial analyst and the big picture thinker, kind of the, you know, the big, the big guy for a little while. Yeah. Right. Nice. I love that. And I think that's something that we've seen work in our business. Obviously we're, we're a VA staffing firm. So, you know, if we preach that to our clients all the time is proper delegation, like don't do the things that you're not the best at, or, you know, like you said, you're, you're the visionary. You are the one that has for example, you know, the $100 an hour rate, like your time is worth it because 32 employees and their families are, you know, depending on you to make the big business decisions. So would, and you, you can even think about them, right? Like, would they want you to be working on the, you know, $15 an hour task of bookkeeping? Like, no, they would probably prefer you to be working on the things that are going to move the business forward. And so I think that's a helpful way to look at it is just, you know, how to, how you value your time. And then also one thing that we've seen is very valuable is even doing kind of like inventory of your time. Like, hey, look at the past week. What did you spend your time on? And again, you know, dialing in on, okay, this was a customer service type task that I should have delegated and I should have focused more time on this more visionary type task. Yeah, that, that's a great thing to talk about. I'll give you the example. So I've been at this for 14 years. I mean, I, you could say I'm an overnight success, but it only took me 14 years. But, <laughs> so one of the big things that I do is is I do a strategic plan every year. I always take my original business plan. Today, I've actually, the original business plan is still sitting on my desk, but oh, today cool. we're looking at something different. But the, the hard part is the thinking through the whole year of what we're gonna do, how we're gonna get there. The easy part yeah. for me is to go out there and sell a bathroom remodel or sell handyman services to a client because I'm really good at it. But if I spend yeah. my time doing that, but I'm not enabling my sales team to get better at what they're doing and not getting my operational staff up to be able to put the throughput through, then I can't get where I want to be. So you see, right. when you ask that question, inventory your time, I actually did that where I had to train a lot of my sales team this year. But there were times where I've had to have people beat me and say, nope, stop, Chris, you cannot go yeah. eight estimates today. Yes, you'll win them. Yes, <laughs> you're right. But right now, it'd be better off doing this. Now, in the beginning, cash yeah. flow is king. Jobs are king. I got to stay there. So, but one of the things I hated doing was the QuickBooks. So I finally mm -hmm. found somebody 
to let me go out and yeah. do those. And now it's that next thing. So it's always an evolution as you're going. Yeah, totally. Perfect. Well, so let's go into the kind of our last section for today is we talked about developing a wolf pack from, you know, a group of lone wolves. And so you mentioned that that kind of ties into even generational aspect, right? Of millennials. Could you go more into that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think today's workforce, no matter what you are now, of course, I feel like I'm an expert in home services. That's why I'm out there doing this and, and developing yeah. a training institute around it. But let's just think about what we're talking about. Younger folks are being told, hey, you're lazy. You want something for nothing. Well, guess what? So was I. And guess what? So was my father. It happens with every generation. What the what the people have today that are millennials or younger have is that they have the ability to use technology and work more efficiently. And, and if they have the work ethic, which they should, but they'll have these, these skill sets. They are a skilled trade. They are a knowledge worker. And they have their skills that they're trying to convey with you and do with you. You have to develop them into your wolf pack. And the reason I talk about wolves and wolf packs is that a lone wolf is used to foraging on their own, finding their own shelter, finding their own food, providing for their families and doing their thing. When you come into a wolf pack, you still are doing that, but you're doing that as part of a wolf pack. Now, if you try to squelch these people, put them into a process, make them do things they don't want to do and continually beat them down, they become domesticated dogs. Now they're not out there solving their problems. They're not out there foraging for their food. They're not out there pr protecting themselves and their family. They're out there waiting for you to protect them and feed them. Yeah. And so they don't go out there and attack like you want them to into the marketplace. Interesting. And I mean, I would say maybe sometimes they don't become domesticated dogs. They just leave your pack. You know, they, they go on to the next one that's going to treat them better, right? Exactly right, because they're going to be looking. And that's, I think, the yeah. stat we talked about is, I think I heard over 65% of people today are in a job in the past year are already looking for another job. Right, which is insane. And I think that's actually something we talked about with another podcast guest is, uh, you know, he has that mentality where employees are, are temporary these days. Like, nobody is really looking for, hey, this is my job for the next 30 years. Like, that's just, you know, that's just not how people think right now. And I think that's something business owners need to be aware of. And the way that he described it, which I really liked is, you know, hey, we both know that you're going to probably move on to something better. Let's make the absolute best of your time with us here. Let's make, you know, I will do everything I can to develop you. You know, you just bring value to, to us as a, as a company. And at the end of the day, you know, if you find a better opportunity, great. Like, you know, we both helped each other as a win-win relationship. And that's the way you have to look at it today. You know, when I first got into the business world and interviews would happen, I'd have to prove myself to the interviewer. Today, mm -hmm. as an interviewer, I am trying to prove myself to them that they can, they can do better here than they could on their own or do better with the company they're yeah, in. That's amazing. Well, well, perfect. So, uh, yeah, that, that really wraps up everything for today. Do you have any other tips, tricks, advice you'd like to leave with the audience before we sign off? Yeah, you know, one thing I would say, if you're younger and you're thinking about starting a business and younger, what is that today? Well, it's always when you're younger than me. Old is always when you're older than me. But I don't care how old you are. Put your plan together. Assess your skill sets. Understand where you are, where you're strong at, where you're weak at. Be honest with yourself and go out and share your idea and use some of those older, wiser people because a lot of them have given me great ideas and great thoughts and have shared their time with me. Don't be afraid to do that. And if you don't feel like you're a very good networker, you got to get good at it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, yeah, again, thank you so much for being with us today. If you want to get involved with Chris, he has the Home Service Institute training companies with a customer service. And then he also has the Small Business Safari podcast, safaripodcast.com. And I'll put those links in the, in the description. 
But yeah, again, thank you for being here with me, Chris. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again for having me. Thank you for listening to Behind the Startup. If you like the show, make sure to follow the podcast and leave a review. Oh.